All right, take your Bible, if you would please, today and turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 7, for just a minute. We'd like to join, uh, we'd like to welcome all of you joining by way of live stream or uh, radio, wherever you are. Let me give you a blessing. One of our deacons called uh, yesterday, I guess it was, from uh, Virginia. And uh, he's just a dab backslidden. He don't drive to church from Virginia every day, so I don't understand that. But he called me yesterday and he he told me he had won a fellow by the name of Ricky Davis to the Lord. Boy, he was just so happy and uh, just uh, just uh, overflowing. And I, I appreciate our folk winning people to Christ wherever they are. That's that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Just And so, well, Ernie, we're, we're glad that uh, that he won that fellow to the Lord. But I wish you'd hurry up and come home and start living like he ought to. And uh, it'd be nice, right? I hope you found your place now in your Bible, Mark chapter 7. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to read just a few verses down through there, not to take too long. But uh, I want to talk to you about a thought today that I think is pertinent. And um, if you would please, just look down, look at verse number 3, if you would please. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, Holding the tradition of the elders. I wish you'd look down again at verse number eight. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. Uh, look at verse number 13. Making the word of God, making the word of God of non-effect. Through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do ye. The word tradition. It's used, I think, three or four times, one, two, three, four, five times in the text in which we read. Tradition is the handing down orally or written Beliefs, customs, or habits from generation to generation. Have you noticed we always shake hands at the same time? Take offerings at the same time. Meet three times a week if you're still Baptist. Right? Right? Folk get mad if you take your offering some other time because it's not scriptural. You got to take it after four songs, before the offering, and before the preaching. Someone has said if you do something twice, it's a tradition. <laughs> Ladies, when you cook, I bet you grab the pots the same way, set the pots the same place. I mean, you you can't. It would be unscriptural to do it another way. (laughs) We we are not traditionalists. You know that. We never. We never. Have Christmas at our house. We don't like Thanksgiving. I guess we are about the. Most traditional folks you can ever imagine. And if you're not real careful now, tradition can take preface over what God clearly states in his word. And today I'd like to talk to you for just a little while about Jesus versus tradition. Someone said, why... In the world, would anybody buy a cat and tie it to the bedpost to show reverence to God? Many years ago, a poor holy man in a remote part of China. In his quiet time, began to put a cup of butter and put it on the windowsill. And that was during his quiet time, 
That's when food was real scarce. And so by just putting the butter in the, in the cup and putting it in his windowsill, he was saying to God, I want you to have my best. After he'd done that a while, he set it up there and his cat got into the butter and eat all the butter. So he tied his cat to the bedpost to keep the cat from eating the butter. He died. And his disciples, for many generations, still put the butter in the cup on the windowsill. And all of them bought a cat to tie to the bedstead. (laughs) You know, tradition can be bad or it can be good. In the text that we're reading, and we'll... We'll go down and and digest it and dissect it, if if you would please. But in our text, it seems as though throughout the Lord's ministry, he was always combating traditionalism. Always, always on the cutting edge of that which steals our heart, our love, and our devotion. And in our mind of pretense, it's okay. There's nothing scriptural about having three services a week. But as long as I've known people, they need it. And I need it. Uh, There is a dab bit of backsliding between Sunday and Sunday if I do not have Wednesday to remind me and be around people who will encourage me. So there are some traditions that are good. The Bible said in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians 2 and verse 5, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught whether by word or by epistle. So there are traditions that we need to hold on to. Uh, But even our Lord had traditions. The Bible says about Jesus, as his custom was, he went to the temple on the Sabbath. He had customs. I guarantee every one of us, do something the same way every day, every time. I, I don't know how many of you men shave with the old type stripper down or cut your face, leave all the scars on your face. But if you watch, I bet tomorrow when you do that, you'll grab the razor the same way and you'll start at the same place. If you were to change, you'd probably cut your nose off. <laughs> if you just went to the other side of the face... Now, you folks who have iPads, I bet you open them the same way. Probably the first thing you remember is, oh, no, I didn't charge it. (laughs) I don't know about you, but uh, there are traditions that we all wrestle with. And our Lord is is wrestling with some traditions. some traditions. Please, if you would, let me just show you, first of all, I want to talk to you about out of this text. Now, our Lord has just fed 5,000. Not only that, he's just walked on the water. Uh, not only that, he has stilled the storm. Not only that, he has <clears throat> healed Peter's mother-in-law. <laughs> that would have been nice to have been there. And Peter, I bet he is praying, dear God, don't do that. <laughs> Unless they got a good mother-in-law like mine and you say, dear Lord, do it quick. (laughs) Let me show you. Out of these 23 verses, I want to show you three things. And I'll be very, very, very swift. First, I want to show you about a false regulations. In verses 1 through 6, I'll show you that in a minute. But it's an amazing thing to me that everybody thinks religion has to have all these regulations. Well, religion does. Christianity don't. See, all religion has got to have regulations. You can't, you can't. You mustn't, you mustn't. No, no, no. Oh, that'd be terrible. All religion has 
their regulations. You can't, you can't. And so we'll talk about, for just a minute, about false regulation. Then I'll, I'll show you something that's real precious, a fixed, a, an absolute, a firm rebuke. Our Lord is not ashamed or afraid to say to us, no. And he does it in a firm way. Uh, he is not the godly grandfather sitting on your lap hoping you'll do something. He's the divine, omnipotent, almighty God who has every right to say no to his children for his children's protection. That's what kids don't understand. We don't want them to do certain things because it is dangerous to them. It is not healthy for them. It is not good for them. They look at it as if we are party poopers and don't want them to have fun. And so there are some absolutely firm rebukes in the word of God. He's just not ashamed to tell us, no, don't do that. You can't do that. That's the reason they call them the Ten Commandments instead of the Ten Suggestions. Amen. He does not suggest that you uh, worship God. He does not suggest that you pay your tithe. He does not suggest that you be faithful. He commands that. It is a firm rebuke to these folk. And then I'll show you a final revelation. Quickly now, if you would, please, let's you and I look at the text and we'll read it. And we'll read down through verse 6 now and let us see. Our Lord's relationship and conversation with these folks that's come down from Jerusalem. The Bible says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with, un- with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. Religion always finds fault. Traditionalists always find fault. You didn't do it like we do it. You didn't do it like we've been doing it for a hundred years. You can't walk into church like that. You gotta walk into church like this. You can't park your car there. That's my parking place. Traditionalists. For the Pharisees and all the Jews except they washed their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders, not the commandments of God, not the word of God, not the, not the dietary laws of God, not the sanitary hygiene of God. It is the tradition of who? The elders. Notice what it says. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of the tablets. Then the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? Tradition of the elders. Now what they're talking about, these scribes, these Pharisees, these are the holy men of the religion called Judaism. The scribes started out to be right with God. In fact, the Bible says that Ezra was a good scribe way back in the Old Testament. These folks were responsible for transcribing the word of God. They sat down and with pen, word for word, letter for letter, they would copy the scriptures. And these scribes were in charge of interpreting and transcribing the scriptures. The Pharisees was a lot of folks that was uh, in, uh, they were kind of uh, reformed individuals. They were originally started to... uh, Show forth the law to transform the law into personal walk. 
But now at the time of our Lord, they have kind of digressed, if you please. They have deteriorated into religious regulators. Have you ever heard a religious regulator say, you can't wear this, you can't drink this, you can't go there, you can't go swimming, you can't go to the movie. If you do, don't buy popcorn because that's what's bad about movies. Have you ever heard, you can't, you can't, you can't, divine Self-appointed regulators who tells everybody how to live. And I'm saying to you today that Jesus has run into this crowd. Notice a tradition in verse 1 and 2. The Bible says that these folks came down from Jerusalem to find fault. (laughs) A divine committee appointed Fault finders. Now, if you're not careful around the Baptist church, you'll find some folk like that. You know, you shouldn't be driving this kind of car. You you girls, you're not supposed to wear pants. Uh, you, You just can't look like you're having any fun. Uh, you, you, you can't smile because that's not religious. Uh, you can't absolutely enjoy yourself. Uh, we got a bunch of Pharisees and a bunch of scribes in our world today Amen. that is walking around for one reason and one reason only, to find fault. And they're trying to find fault in Jesus His popularity has now grown wide. Throngs of people are following him. They're being saved and they're no longer going to the temple. So the temple offerings are down because they're following Jesus. And now they're tithing to the local Baptist church. And they're upset. And so now they've sent some folk down to where Jesus was to find fault in Jesus. Now, you can't find any fault because there's no fault in him. Uh, Pilate said, I, I just, I, 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 I've observed him and I've watched him. And I've heard him. You can't find fault in him. So now, if they can't find fault in him, guess who else they're going to find fault in? His followers. And since they couldn't find fault in his, him, they found fault in his followers. And his followers now are eating without washing their hands. Now notice, like the tradition of the elders, that is not in the law of God. Now what they've done, they've emulated the practice of the priest. And when the priest, before he ministered, always cleansed himself. And now the the elders have come up with this thought. Well, if the priest has to be clean before he worships God, why shouldn't we worship just a part of us indicative of showing that we are wanting to serve God? And so they started washing their hands. They would do it starting at the wrist here and pour water on their hands and let it run down Signified a cleansing. And they'd shoot your head off if you didn't do it. Because now, tradition is taking the place of the Word of God. And now they're doing things just to show off. And down through the generation, the show-off business was forgotten. And they're doing it now because God demands it. Do you know any denominations that holds tradition with the same level as the Word of God? There are denominations 
that will teach you that tradition practiced by the popes and by the cardinals is just as demanding and just as stringent as the word of God because tradition holds the same level as the word of God. I wonder if there's any Baptist who has got so plugged in tradition that they don't need to come to church on Wednesday night or Sunday night. Or I can worship God just as good at my house and now you've persuaded yourself that you're smarter than the word of God. I wonder if anybody in today's world has traditions that's much more binding on them than the word of God. Jesus was very positive about that. See, the problem is they came to find fault. And I don't care if you look long enough. You'll find fault in everybody except me. And I lie a lot. (laughs) All of us have faulty places. We look at our televisions and say, how could anybody do that? Do you know... I don't have to be influenced by anybody to do wrong. Now, I know some of you folks are so holy (laughs) that you have to be influenced by others to do wrong. The problem is, folks, we all are probably guilty of finding fault are looking for fault, are looking for holes. I can save you some time. If you come to my office, I'll write down all the things that you'd like to know about me. Notice, if you would, please, a false regulation. If it's not in here, folks, and it's not detrimental to your health, And detrimental in your testimony for God. Don't be bound by what some backslidden preacher told you years ago. Don't you do that. You said, well, I I was sitting on the committee in the Baptist church one time. And they said, I don't care what anybody on the committee in a Baptist church said. Tell me what thus saith the Lord. You hear me? Uh, just, just tell me what God says about the thing. Notice now, if you would please, we noticed a false regulation. Don't let regulations run your life. Don't let what somebody else said run your life. Let God run your life. Get in God's book. Get on your knees. Ask God what to do. And you do it for the glory of God. Secondly, notice now a, a, a firm rebuke. Verse 6 Through 13. Man, this is stronger than snuff. Watch this, verse number six. And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you what? Now, if I did that here, some folk get mad. If I called them hypocrites, they get mad at me. But now Jesus called these scribes, these Pharisees, hypocrites. Notice what he said. It is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Whoa. Anybody know anybody like that? Who professes with their lips, but have nothing in their heart. The Bible goes on to say, How be it ye in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines of the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the traditions of men, 
as of washing of pots and cups and many other such like things do ye. And he said unto them, full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. That pretty stout, don't you think? He goes on. And Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whosoever uh, curseth father and mother, let him die the death. Now that's God's commandment. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father and mother, It is Corban, if you have parents who need help, and you go to them and tell them, I have dedicated everything that I own to the temple and to God. Demand Corbin, and that way you are off the hook of ever helping your mom and daddy as long as they live. Tradition. God says, honor them and take care of them. Corbin says, give it to the temple. Go ahead and live it out. Live like you want to. Don't give your parents anything. It's all dedicated to God, dedicated to the temple. And then when mom and and dad dies, you you can restrain that. You can reject that. Get all your money back. Commandments. I know you've read that several times. You knew exactly what that was saying. Verse 12. And ye suffer... Him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. If a man went down to the temple and just demanded Corban, that means offering, I'm dedicating everything I've got to the temple, then they were off the hook as long as mom and daddy lived. Tradition. But God said, honor them as long as they live. Verse 13, what you folks are doing, he said, you're making the word of God of non-effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do ye. He said, no, no, that's not going to work. And he looked at that bunch of Pharisees and bunch of Sadducees, and that's the reason they said, you see, and... uh, but he, he issued a firm rebuke. First of all, he called them hypocrites. Amen. You know what a hypocrite is? He is an actor pretending to be something he is not. And you'll see those on television every time you turn on the religious station. And you don't believe it whenever they find out that they've been fraud, fraudulent in their, in their dealings and uh, uh, they are very selfish. They take the money and do as they will. They don't care anything about Christ. All they want is another girlfriend, another big car, another nice house. And you say, well, I don't understand why uh, uh, they, they are like that. Because they're hypocrites. They are pretending. And by the way, you don't have to be a preacher on television to pretend to be something you're not. I think maybe that might happen around here sometime. Serving God with their lips and not their heart. Notice, if you would please, verse 7. Not only that, they say in verse number 7, How be it in vain do they worship me? Come to church. And worship God in vain because they profess Him with the lips, but their heart is far from Him. Let me ask you something. I don't understand why anybody would come to church and not want to come to the preaching service. I don't understand why anybody would come to church and walk up and down the halls and uh, and just stay outside and do. They'll kill somebody to work in the nursery to keep from coming to church. Yeah, they not they don't sit in here. It's not that they don't like me. It's just they don't like what comes from his pulpit. I, I don't understand why folks will absolutely do anything in the world, keep them coming to church while they're at church. That's like going to fight and not taking a gun. You said, Why why won't you take a knife? Because I'd rather shoot with a gun. Why would anybody, why would anybody come to church and not want to go to church? 
You say, well, are you jumping on somebody? No, somebody just needs to realize where their heart is. See, J- Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you're not what you say you are. You are something else. You're saying that you're an angel, but in reality, you're a devil. You know, everything ain't what it seems to be. Did you ever watch on television? I know you've never seen any of this, so I'll help you kids do this for years. Some real beautiful ladies out on the platform and they just come out and dress real pretty and they just so nice. And after the show, you find out they wasn't ladies. They were men dressed up like ladies. I hate to tell you this, but years and years and years and years and years and years and years ago, before I was saved twice, me and a friend of mine was in San Francisco. That's the first mistake. First mistake. This is years and years and years ago. Before Christ, before I got saved, I was soul winning in this place. And Harper and I actually watched these men put their makeup on and dress. And after a while, they performed the show and Harper was whistling at them. I mean, the sucker sit right there and watch them dress. <laughs> oh, the depths of depravity of the human heart. Brother Jim remembers down at the other building. One evening, one night service. A must have been seven foot tall. Don't you think Jimmy's at least that tall? Seven foot tall transvestite came to church and wanted to go to the bathroom. Now we got a problem. We have a problem. Houston, you have a problem. So I went to one of my staff, Alvin Slaughter. I put him in charge of all transvestites in our church. I said, whichever bathroom that thing goes to, you go to. (laughs) Things, things are not always what they seem. And people are not always what they seem. The Pharisees and the scribes dressed in a religious garb, white wall haircut, white walls above their ears, wearing wingtip shoes. (laughs) Because that's what an that's what an independent Baptist is supposed to wear. Having a Schofield Bible, dressed in a double breast suit. Could I have an amen, please. Said to the Lord's disciples, "You can't." And the disciples said, "Why can't we?" They said, "Because." We don't do that. The disciples said, do we have any scripture? The fundamentalist said, no, but you still can't do that. Can anybody have me? Give me an amen. Now. And so what Jesus is doing is dealing with these traditionalists, these false teachers, these vain worshipers. And then he gives an illustration in verse 10. In verse 10, he starts and begins with an illustration. Showing these guys, they're all wet. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother. And whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die the death. The word of God says, this is what you do. Then Jesus said, but ye say. You traditionalists say, you fundamentalists of the faith say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, 
it is Corbin, then they are off the hook for the rest of mom and daddy's life. God says, love them, cherish them, take care of them. When they're old, love them, cherish them, take care of them. Does all of my kids hear that? When you're old, (laughs) cherish them, take care of them, pay his bills, take care of his dogs, stay out of his automobiles. And that's what God said. Amen. But these tightwad, chintzy, Jewish religionists has come up with something to let everybody off the hook, including them. Traditional versus Jesus. Jesus said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're a bunch of snakes. You worship me in vain. You teach your false doctrine. And then I might add as we close. Notice a final revelation. Verse 14. He says. Making. He says. And when he had called the people unto him. Not just his disciples now. He called that tremendous throng of folk that had been following him. The 5,000 that he fed those who stood on the bank as he taught out of the ship. Everywhere he went, this throng went with him. And he called all the people unto him and said unto them, watch this, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him. Nothing that is taken can, enter, can defile him. But those things which come from out of him, those are they that defile the man. And he said, all of you folk, all of you, if you have it here, you hear what I say to you. Quit worrying about defiling your personal relationship with God by what you wear, what you drink, what you eat. Don't worry about that. Notice, you say, well, preacher, you open a can of worms. Hey, I didn't write this. And he said unto them, are you also without understanding, verse 18, do you not perceive that whatsoever thing From without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him or cause the relationship to go awry. What I eat does not affect my relationship to God. What I drink does not determine my relationship with God. You say, what about booze? It don't hurt your relationship with God. What it does, it gives you cirrhosis of the liver. Take your pick. So what about beer? It'll kill you. What you drink does not determine your relationship with God. Somebody said, oh man. Verse 19. Because it entereth not into this heart, but into the belly. Does anybody know the difference in the belly and the heart? What you eat does not affect your heart. Your heart affects what you eat. The problem is not with eating with dirty hands. The problem is not. What you wear. The problem is what is coming from the heart. Jesus is more interested in the inside than he is the outside. Because the inside affects and controls the outside. And what we cannot do, we cannot make Christians out of people by what they wear. What they drink. Where they go or how they act. It's the heart Not the hands. 
Do you understand that? I've, so many folks, I think, have joined the church and, and put on religious clothes and, and say religious words and uh, uh, come to church occasionally, maybe even sing in the choir, and their heart has not been affected by the Word of God. Jesus called them spiritual phonies. They're so concerned about the outside. They neglect the inside, the personal relationship with God, and that is disastrous. Watch these guys who are so legalistic in their preaching and in their lifestyle. Listen to them as they preach. But watch the ending of their life. The pastor of one of the largest churches in the world recently was caught with a young girl underage. The largest church in this country running up into the thousands, 15, 20, 30,000. Huge church. Had great impact in the world. But you couldn't use soundtracks. Ladies, you couldn't wear pants. I mean, just so separated, they believed in secondary separation. And now... He's hoping for a short jail term. Be careful with those who are so, so negative in the outside. It's not about the outside. It's about the inside. It's not about what we wear. It's what about we are. Notice, I'll close, but Jesus gives us an x-ray, an x-ray of the heart. Now listen to this, an x-ray. Maybe it's a sonogram now. I have no idea. Listen as Jesus pulls back the pretentiousness. Listen, as he gives us an x-ray of the heart, he said, Far from within, verse 21, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, and fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile the man. All of these, and you're worried about eating with dirty hands. All of these, and you're worried about women wearing pants. All of these, you're worried about everything in the world all the while. Your heart. According to Matthew chapter 33, your heart is like a whited sepulcher, a whited casket, a whited casket, painted, perfumed, beautifully adorned, and open it up and it's full of dead man's bones. Oh, would to God, today we might just take a minute and look and see what's in our heart. Don't look at your neighbor and say, I don't watch in your heart. Let me tell you what's in your heart. Evil thoughts. Adulteries. Well, I haven't committed adultery. If you've looked on a woman to lust, you have. Now you can turn around and wound. The ladies are more lustful than the men. You say, how do you know that? 
I'm just guessing. <laughs> See, when I was a kid, we boys chased the girls. Amen. Now we boys run from the girls. Of course, the girls where I was raised, if you'd seen them, you'd run from them too. an x-ray of our heart. Could you please be honest now today? Look in your heart. And I found something the other day that I thought was real precious. In Ezekiel, God says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and shall be clean. From all your iniquities and from all your idols will I cleanse. And a new heart Also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. That's what happens when you get saved. See, what we don't need today is uh, is uh, is is. Uh, uh, a new uh, a new don't uh, we we don't need uh, somebody telling us we need a new rule or we need another rule i tell you what we need today we just need to be born again Amen. marvel not jesus said you must be born again and jesus was so specific about that he said and there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, how can a man? Oh, he said, oh, Nicodemus, I know that art a man from God for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That's what he said. And Jesus looked at this religious Pharisee and said, marvel not, you must be born again. Amen. The Bible said, that no man could see the kingdom of heaven except to be born again. And Nicodemus was absolutely puzzled. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus looked at him and said, now Nicodemus, let me tell you something. The wind listeth that it will. Thou canst not tell from whence it cometh or where it goeth. But so is every man that is born of the Spirit of God. 46 years ago in my living room, I mean just a rotten, stinking daddy, a rotten husband, just rotten to the core. A soldier came to my house on Thursday night and asked me, said, Gene, if you died today, do you know 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? I said, preacher, we don't need to discuss that. I mean, everybody knows anybody deserves to go to hell, it's got to be me. And he kept pushing. And he said, Gene, let me, and while he said that, he reached in his pocket and got his little New Testament out. That's back when he was making them, they fit in your pocket. And he said, Gene, let me show you what the Word of God tells you. And I sat there that night, about half listening, wishing he'd hurry up and get through with this. Like you folk are right now. And he showed me all the verses of the Roman road. And he got down to that verse. It says, but God committed his love toward you. And that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. I don't know how, I don't know why. But when he read that verse, something happened in my heart. It turned from a hard, stony heart to a tender, receptive heart. Before I knew it, tears was rolling out my eyes. And I didn't cry about anything. I was a man. Man didn't cry. Man didn't show emotions. 
For some reason that night, something happened right here. God gave me a new heart. Not a hard, demanding heart, but a heart that knows how to cry. When we see people who are lost, they will not get saved. A heart, instead of trying to get what you can out of people, a heart to give what you have to people. And I don't know if it happened to you this way, but I knelt a hell-bound sinner at my couch and stood up a heaven-bound saint. Now from my heart, the part I have not given to God, the part of my life that I reserve for me, that part is still full of cursings, envying, wrath, and anger. But that part which I have given to God gives peace, joy, Long-suffering and understanding. God said to you, just look what's in your heart right now. And if you don't like it, I'll give you a brand new one. And I'll give you a new spirit. You'll be able to smile in church. You'll be able to smile at home. You can have the tenderness of Jesus you can have a backbone like a railroad tie and a heart as big as a watermelon you'll be able to stand but there'll be a tenderness and a godly type of stand is anybody listening the final revelation is You need a new heart. (laughs) You don't need to change your clothes. You need to change your heart. And you get a heart change, I promise. It'll change your clothes. It'll change your drink. It'll change what you eat. It won't make a vegetarian out of you. But it'll change what you eat. Can anybody say amen? So I I ask you today... uh, Don't allow some man's tradition to send you to hell. Don't allow somebody's tradition to rob you of the joy that we have in Christ. And the freedom and the liberty we have in Christ. Don't allow anything to rob you of that. The Lord says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. And with that new heart and new spirit, you will want to do what would honor the Lord.